Aloha all. Just a quick heads up that this, your first Halloween episode of 2023, deals with cannibalism. For the record, this episode is an attempt to establish historical clarity that I hope starts an understanding and begins correcting centuries of historical inaccuracy and fabrication. Please note, this episode is not criticizing cultural or religious practices. In ancient Hawaii, around the time of Kamehameha the Great's birth, Hawaii consisted of warring tribes. A canoe from the South Pacific arrived on Kauai. The tribe's ali'i was known as Ke Ali'i Ai Kanaka, or Ai Kanaka. A Kauai ali'i welcomed them and was interested in Ai Kanaka's daughter. Ai Kanaka encouraged they marry and did. However, South Pacific and Hawaiian customs differ, causing the princess to break a kapu and was killed. Ai Kanaka followed his custom of killing and eating someone, then gathered his people and sailed to Oahu. So begins the recorded tale of cannibalism in Hawaii. And this is Legends from the Pacific. Aloha, and thank you for joining us. Welcome to your podcast about Pacific folklore and cultural history, Legends from the Pacific. This is episode 150. Episode 150? Yes, we're at episode 150. Mahalo nui loa to all of you dear listeners who helped make this possible, especially our Patreon supporters and those of you who purchased our book, audiobook, shirts, various merchandise, and recommended board games. I'm so grateful for all you do to help support our show and our mission of spreading awareness of Asian and Pacific Islander folklore and cultural history. Once again, thank you for all you do for our show. Where was I? All right. Episode 150, Cannibalism in Hawaii. This episode is a bit longer to mark the big 150. I am Kamuela Kaneshiro, but you can call me Kamu a native Hawaiian professional writer, speaker, and Comic-Con panelist with extensive film and television experience. I study mythology, I've encountered unusual things, and I'm a geek. In the beginning, there was the Pacific Ocean. A canoe broke the horizon, piloted by Pele, a beautiful Polynesian maiden who dominated the waves until she felt safe to stop. The audiobook of Our Legends from the Pacific Book One is now available, narrated by multi-award-winning voice actress Emily Wu Zeller. Emily has worked on anime, the video game Cyberpunk 2077, and over 500 audiobooks including Star Wars, The Empire Strikes Back, from a certain point of view. Just click the link in our show notes to purchase our audiobook and enjoy Emily telling our stories today. A special aloha to you listening to us on iHeartRadio. Mahalo nui loa for listening and writing me emails. Later in this episode, your featured song, board game recommendation, yes, it's holiday season again, and Hawaiian word. But first, let me share with you this macabre Hawaiian tale. As usual, I apologize for any mispronounced names or words and appreciate your understanding. Ai Kanaka and his tribe were welcomed by Oahu's people. 
until the Hawaiians learned they were cannibals. They banished them to the Waianae mountain range. While the area was treacherous, Ai Kanaka enjoyed his new home. A great emu or traditional earth oven was created along with a massive stone table. Then Hawaiians, mainly hunters and bird catchers, went missing. Not far from Ai Kanaka's tribe was Oahu's Ali'i birthing stone, a sacred site where noble women birthed their children, ensuring their royal bloodline. The nearby village was Oahu Nui, a place ruled by Oahu's high Ali'i, and the current Ali'i was named Oahu Nui. Oahu Nui learned of the South Pacific Ali'i Ke Ali'i Ai Kanaka, which traditionally meant man-eater and was sometimes used to describe great warriors. Oahu Nui, anxious to meet such a skilled warrior, invited him and his royal court to a luau. He greeted the ali'i as Lo Ai Kanaka, for Lo were ali'i who lived away from the ruling chiefs. The ali'i enjoyed each other's company. Then Ai Kanaka invited Oahu Nui to a luau. Oahu Nui was taken aback by the tribe's massive emu and stone table with unusual cuts of meat. Ai Kanaka told him it was pork, and they ate. Oahu Nui praised their cook for mastering how to prepare pork. In the following days, nothing satisfied Oahu Nui's craving of the delectable meat. He chastised his cooks and frequented Ai Kanaka's village. The ali'i conversed played konane or Hawaiian checkers and enjoyed the succulent meat. Soon, Oahu Nui's people learned Ai Kanaka's village were cannibals. They were outraged their ali'i was spending so much time with them and considered leaving or seeking another ruler. Oahu Nui did not have children, meaning his sister and her husband's two sons and infant would succeed him. Oahu Nui calmed his people vowed never to visit the cannibals or practice their morbid custom. But passing days grew his craving. He asked his brother-in-law to lead most of the royal court to Wailua and bring back fish. He agreed, said goodbye to his wife and three children, and left. The fishing was a success. However, everyone was tired, and the brother-in-law decided they'd return tomorrow. When the moon was reflected on rippling water, something called the brother-in-law. He woke. His two older sons shimmered in the moonlight. Father, why do you slumber while we are devoured? What? he asked. What's going on? We are being eaten. Our remains are in a net, hanging in a tree beside our uncle's hale. The images faded. He raced home. In the tree, a net hung in the branches. He grabbed the stone axe and cut the line. The bundle fell, crashed, and bones rattled out. Two children's skulls stared at their father. He gripped the stone axe and stormed into Oahu Nui's hale. Some kava remained in a large bow beside the snoring ali'i. The father failed waking the ali'i from his feast-induced slumber, lifted the axe, and decapitated Oahu Nui. The father went to his hale, his wife laid beside their infant. Your brother broke his word and ate our sons. His wife held their child closer. How could you? 
The father took his child and left. His wife threw herself at him. Please, don't go. I did all I could to stop him. The father grabbed her arm and scanned her body. The moonlight showed she was unbruised. His eyes narrowed. You didn't fight for our children? She collapsed and sobbed at his feet. I'll reunite you for choosing him over our children. He killed her with the stone axe. The remaining villagers stared at him. The moon shone their guilty eyes. He held his child close and rejoined the court and villagers at Wailua. After several weeks, Ai Kanaka wondered what happened to Oahu Nui. Ai Kanaka's guards announced a royal hunter approached. The Ali'i greeted him. The hunter nodded. Aloha, powerful Ali'i. My village welcomed you, then banished you and your cannibalistic tribe. Ah yes, I recognize you. You've bulked up. What brings you here? My brother, who is a better hunter than I, has been missing for months. My condolences. It's common for people to fall off the mountain. This area can be quite treacherous, especially its inhabitants. Are you accusing us of your brother's misfortune? Are you denying it? The Ali'i smiled, revealing his teeth. When my brother didn't return, his fading tracks led me here. I watched your village and realized I was too late. My Ali'i refused to move against you, so I strengthened my body to avenge him. I, Kanaka, laughed. You bulked up, but my weakest guard is bigger than you. Are you refusing my challenge? I, Kanaka, sighed. I admire your courage, Hunter, and while you contain your rage, you still show respect. The Ali'i grabbed his spear. No, the hunter said. We settle this as true warriors. Our bodies will be our weapons. The Ali'i dropped his spear and approached the hunter. They exchanged blows. The Ali'i grabbed the hunter, but his skin was coated with kukui nut oil and slipped from his grasp. The hunter struggled as they neared the cliff. He shoved the Ali'i. The chief seized the hunter's arm, but the oiled limb slipped away. Ai Kanaka yelled, scraped the rock face, and a tree impaled him. His people wailed and cried as the hunter returned to his village. Some records speculated Ai Kanaka was an outcast from a Hawaiian royal family, which is how he earned the lo in his name. However, I feel this doesn't really fit right since he wouldn't have survived long among the anti-cannibal Hawaiians. There's also some stories that Ai Kanaka didn't die, but sailed to Kahiki with his tribe. You, our astute listeners, may recall T's and K's are interchangeable between Pacific cultures, so Kahiki could mean Tahiti, which means they may have returned home since they were South Pacific Islanders, which is possible but I don't feel this makes sense for them to have traveled all that way just to go back home. Plus, there had to be Hawaiians they upset. Nonetheless, Ai Kanaka's cannibal tribe was around Hele Mano, which is near Wahiwa. Hele means way or path, and Mano means shark, which could have been interpreted as man-eater. Returning to cannibalism, Hawaiians were so against this practice, they left Oahu Nui and his sister's remains untouched. The remains turned to stone along with the others who partook of the morbid feast. This is said to be the curse of the god Kane. To this day, 
things rarely grow in the area, and it remains largely undeveloped, which is very unusual for a place to remain undeveloped on Oahu. As for the Li'i birthing stones, they are still near Wahiwa, but the high chief village was moved to Waikiki, which was a sacred site of three streams. During my research of this episode, I also found out about Olohe. Olohe were similar to highway thieves and were called people who went against tradition. While there's a couple mentions of these people being cannibals, this was likely added on by Westerners because, really, going against Hawaiian tradition covered a lot of ground. Then we're also talking, was it during the kapu system or after it was abolished? Remember, Westerners recorded and embellished the fiercer aspects of Pacific cultures. This is the time frame when Westerners enjoyed connecting uncultured savageness with cannibalism. I'll get into this more later. As far as other aspects of cannibalism in Hawaiian culture, the makahiki ritual involved a kahuna eating an eye of a fish and an eye of a human. However, records stated eating a person's eye was symbolic, and this was more of an example of human sacrifice. It should be noted, while Hawaiians frowned upon cannibalism, Ali'i killed those who broke a kapu to regain their stolen mana. Ali'i also sacrificed humans to gain favor with their god of war, Ku. I know you're thinking, but Kamu, didn't you share stories involving Hawaiians throwing creatures and whatnot into an emu? Yes, some of our Hawaiian stories, especially our Patreon-exclusive Hawaiian stories, involved creatures or part humans being thrown into an emu. But the Hawaiians didn't eat them. They tossed the cooked carcass into the ocean for their almakua, or gods, to deal with. So, this could be seen as a human, or otherworldly creature, sacrifice. While the emu is an earth oven, it may have been the surest way to kill these beings, since common weapons might have been viewed as a conventional way of dealing with more common things. And throwing something into the lava or volcano would have been an act of desecration and dishonor to Pele, which is something I don't think anyone wants. Cannibalism in the Pacific was popularized by writers Robert Louis Stevenson and Herman Melville. Robert Louis Stevenson, who created Treasure Island and Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, stated cannibalism was practiced throughout the Pacific, but he may have been misled or exaggerated by including Hawaii in the mix. Since scholars argue cannibalism was not practiced in Hawaii, and our story was an isolated incident of a South Pacific Islander influencing a Hawaiian. But remember, the Hawaiians didn't tolerate it. While author Herman Melville is known for writing Moby Dick, his previous book made people call him the man who lived among cannibals. You see, five years before Moby Dick, in 1846, Melville wrote a book about living among cannibalistic natives, which he claimed revealed the untarnished truth about life in the Pacific. However, scholars pointed out the book is fraught with misinformation and errors which included Melville's actual time spent with the islanders and Melville never witnessing cannibalism. Going further, Melville confessed in articles he may have been misled about the islanders' cannibalistic practices because they wanted to be documented by him. This seems correct since during this time, Pacific Islanders had difficulty adapting to Western visitors and making money. So, Melville's embellished book became a bestseller, which may have helped Moby Dick's success and propagated Pacific cannibalism. Not bad for the man who lived among cannibals. 
For the record, modern critics also pointed out the irony of Melville's Christian readers who devoured his false cannibalistic book as fact, then consumed their Savior's body and blood during Mass. But I digress. Sadly, modern Caucasian writers have mocked and joked about Pacific cannibalism to get headlines, gain notoriety, and of course, make money. Please don't Google this. These attention-getters aren't worth your time and energy. On the subject of improper searches, several pictures of Oahu Nui's stones have been posted online. However, these stones are not Oahu Nui stones, which varying accounts claim are in a gulch or were consumed by the land. As for Ai Kanaka's massive stone table, tourists first recorded it in 1825, and it became a popular tourist destination. However, about 24 years later, in 1879, returning tourists claimed it was missing. They theorized it was taken by the land, since the area wasn't upkept. Some of you may be wondering if these Hawaiian ali'i existed. Well, an ali'i named Ai Kanaka existed, however, he was a different ali'i from Hana on Maui. So, it's likely his name leaned more on the successful warrior and less on the literal or cannibal aspect. As for Oahu Nui, there were no records of him existing, which kind of makes sense since Hawaiian lineage and history were oral. So it'd be easy for Oahu Nui to be erased from their records, and Hawaiians may want to forget the embarrassment that caused the curse of Kane. So what'd we learn? Well, a lot really. This possibly explains how the place of Oahu's high ali'i went to Waikiki. But I want to emphasize, while cannibalism was not a Hawaiian custom, it was part of other Pacific cultures' rituals. And these cultures and their people should not be mocked or ridiculed for the sake of money or fame. Because honestly, all of our cultural backgrounds have something we're ashamed of. And finally, many may feel there's a Hawaiian cannibalistic incident involving a famous navigator However, this aspect of the incident may have been a serious misunderstanding and fabrication, but that's a story for another time. Well, the holidays bring relatives and gifts, so along with recommending that you please consider supporting our show by purchasing our books, shirts, and other merchandise, I also suggest buying games for the holiday season. This episode's game recommendation is the Hawaiian version of Checkers mentioned in this episode, Konane. Konane is a fun game to play with your family and friends during this holiday season. And just a friendly reminder that using our Amazon link in our show notes to purchase your version of Konane is a free and easy way of supporting our show. So click the link in our show notes to purchase your copy of this version of Checkers with a Hawaiian flair today. Our theme song is Mystery by Tavana, courtesy of High Sessions. Sound effects were by Sound Effects Factory. Our music coordinator is Matt Duffy, a.k.a. DJ Triple Bypass. Links and show notes can be found on our website, legendsfromthepacific.com. Thank you very much, Ren. That was our Patreon supporter, Ren Shepard. And a big mahalo nui loa to our Patreon members who support our mission to spread Asian and Pacific Islander cultural history and awareness. Will and Ollie Geis, Christopher, Meg, Jessica Bullock, Edward Pua'uhenki, Felisa H., The Makuli Guy, and of course, Ren Shepard. Your support keeps our show going. 
If you'd like to support our show, please click the link in our show notes and become a Legends from the Pacific Patreon member to enjoy an exclusive Hawaiian story, like the rare story of who the Hawaiian volcano god was before Pele, the return of the Hawaiian demigod brothers Kana and Nehue, and other nifty benefits. Your rewards are waiting for you, so sign up and join us as a Legends from the Pacific Patreon member today. Your featured song is Ko Ali by Kaylee Reichel, courtesy of High Sessions. Legends from the Pacific was written, produced, and edited by me, Kamuela Kaneshiro, but you can call me Kamu. I also wrote our original stories. Your featured Hawaiian word is a word used throughout this episode, and that's Ai Kanaka. Ai Kanaka means cannibal. An example of Ai Kanaka is Dr. Hannibal Lecter is a famous fictitious Ai Kanaka. Once again, Ai Kanaka is Hawaiian for cannibal. I'm a pretty big Hannibal fan, so of course I had to mention him in this episode. Thank you once again for listening and supporting our show. Mahalo and a hui ho!